This technology is an unstoppable force and Web3 is here to stay. It's not a matter of whether it will be built, but where. Hi, and welcome back to What Kind of Internet Do You Want? I'm Amy James, and today we're talking about Web3 regulatory concerns. It has been a tough year for the crypto industry, the collapse of Terra, Celsius, and the one that really took the issue mainstream, the collapse of FTX and the alleged widespread fraud behind it has made regulation a very hot topic. There have generally been two schools of thought in the crypto industry. On one side, there are the OG libertarian idealists who think that government shouldn't be involved in all and see technology itself as the solution. And on the other side are the professionals who are building businesses and assume that they need to operate within the existing regulations to stay safe. On the one hand, not having any rules is way too much risk to build a company. And on the other hand, assuming old regulations apply means navigating a confusing landscape of overlapping rules. Both of these perspectives are holding back the growth of the industry. And the thing is, new technology sometimes needs new rules. So today we're talking about regulatory issues that are key to fostering the growth of Web3 infrastructure in the US. But before we start, please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel, and let's get into it. When the World Wide Web first began, the FCC considered applying the existing ham radio laws requiring the registration of every website. Can you imagine? The web never would have been able to grow to the size it is today had this type of onerous restriction taken effect. There have also been repeated efforts to ban encryption since the beginning of the web, from attempts to include it in the Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act and the NSA's development of a clipper chip, which had a built-in backdoor for law enforcement, to recent concerns that the Good Practices Committee prescribed by the Earn It Act would call for banning encryption. And Fortunately for all of us, these efforts haven't succeeded and encryption has remained legal because without it, the web simply wouldn't work. We have been lucky to have regulators at these critical moments who not only have good intentions, but also took the time to learn about the technology so that they could create regulations that both protect consumers and help to foster the industry by avoiding regulations that would have prevented the technology from working. But the threat of well-intentioned regulation with harmful unintended consequences looms once again. It's understandable. We all want to do something in the wake of an alleged crime like FTX, and it really shows how urgently these regulations are needed. So the question we need to keep in mind is, do proposed regulatory frameworks allow for protocols to be built in the US and for American citizens to use them? Getting the details of the regulation right is crucial to fostering the growth of Web3 here in the US. It needs to allow entrepreneurs to raise money to build protocols, and it needs to allow everyday Americans to interact with decentralized protocols and contribute to the networks. If we don't make a safe path for entrepreneurs to build protocols here, they're going to go to other countries. They already are. We have another video coming up about how regulatory uncertainty has been pushing Web3 out of the US. Just one quick statistic from it is that we've already lost 38% of our market share of Web3 developers since 2015. 
entrepreneurs need a clear regulatory framework to be able to fundraise in the US. Being an entrepreneur is risky enough without the looming threat of unpredictable enforcement actions from the SEC. Because Web3 is changing the web from closed platforms controlled by a handful of companies to open protocols controlled by the users, the business models are really different. Rather than selling equity in a company to fund the development of their product or services as they would in Web2, Web3 entrepreneurs need to be able to sell the tokens connected to their open source protocol to fund its development. Right now, the basic guidance entrepreneurs receive for how to fundraise in the murky regulatory environment looks like this. Don't sell tokens to US persons for fundraising purposes. Build a final product before you launch a token. Any ongoing development work should be coordinated and undertaken by a DAO that's based in the British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, or Panama, not by the original development company. This thread from A16Z lawyer Miles Jennings provides a good overview of this general guidance. And before this latest guidance became popular, the ICO or initial coin offering fundraising model was favored. The ICO model drove a lot of activity in 2017 and 2018, but has fallen out of favor because of signaling from the SEC that they were illegal security offerings. But it's unclear if the new guidance of not selling to US persons, launching a final product before a token, and having ongoing development work undertaken by an offshore DAO will be enough to protect entrepreneurs from prosecution. LBRY recently lost their case with the SEC and they never ICO'd. They did sell to US persons, but only sold tokens to accredited investors. And their blockchain was fully developed and launched prior to the sale of the tokens. Still, the court found that by simply having a business model where the token price increasing would benefit the builders and the investors of the protocol made it a security. Even if LBRY had never broadcast its expectation that their token would grow in value, saying, quote, any reasonable investor who was familiar with the company's business model would have understood the connection. Obviously, the goal of the current popular guidance is to avoid being prosecuted by the SEC by not selling tokens to American investors and having all future development and maintenance of the protocol handled offshore. But is this workaround good for American entrepreneurs, investors, and the public at large? So far, it's meant that US entrepreneurs building open source protocols intended to make the internet more free and fair are receiving investment from foreign investors. In my anecdotal experience, primarily investment firms in China. It's preventing American entrepreneurs from working with American investors. It's preventing American investors from benefiting from the enormous prosperity that's available in Web3 and it could potentially hurt the American public because once launched, the protocols can't be maintained by the team that initially built it. And this is why I say new technology sometimes needs new rules. It's not reasonable to expect entrepreneurs, technologists, and their investors to take on all the risks inherent in building something new if they aren't able to be rewarded for their efforts. The other thing to keep in mind is that the benefits offered by decentralized blockchain-based technology can help with regulation. The capability and benefits of upgrading from double-entry record-keeping to triple-entry is 
enormous because with blockchain technology, the third party is the public at large. And that brings a tremendous level of accountability and transparency to the records. So the best regulation will acknowledge this and use it to its advantage. Some regulations currently under consideration offer innovative solutions to this problem, like the ancillary asset proposal in the Lummis-Gillibrand bill, while others ignore it entirely. But it's a crucial topic that needs to be part of the regulatory landscape. The other side of the coin is that users need to be safe to provide resources to Web3 decentralized networks, and they need to be able to benefit from their work. Entrepreneurs can build all the open source protocols they want, but if it's not safe for people to use them because of regulatory uncertainty, the protocols won't be used in the US. As I said before, a big part of the shift from Web 2 to Web 3 is moving from centralized platforms controlled by a few companies to open source protocols controlled by the users. So it naturally follows that if there isn't a safe path for American users to participate, Web3 will grow in the rest of the world and leave the US behind. As the collapse of FTX demonstrated, the internet is global and these markets are connected. Although FTX US wasn't exposed to the broader allegedly fraudulent activities and undercapitalization of FTX International, American users were impacted by its collapse nonetheless because of contagion to other projects and the impact it has had on the market as a whole. But it's not just about being able to participate in financial services. Americans need to be able to participate in all aspects of Web3, from using tokens to running nodes and providing network resources like storage and processing. For example, if specific types of staking rewards are taxed as income at the time of the reward, it would create such an extensive administrative burden as to render these networks and their incentives just unusable. If we make it oppressively difficult to comply with tax law, define all tokens as securities, or ban mining and other contributions to network resources, what are we protecting? Who gets hurt if someone receives tokens for sharing their extra hard drive space to support a decentralized file storage network? Is it bad that they can use those tokens to then pay for the media that they consume from a decentralized video processing network? I don't see how it's harmful. Rather, I see it as a benefit, not just to the person, but to the public good. They're using existing hardware to help the performance of a network, which increases the efficiency, reduces resource use, and is more affordable for the user. The vast majority of Web3 builders aren't in it to scam people. They're doing it to make the web and the world a better place for everyone, because this technology is a generational leap forward that we don't want to be left out of. Making the US regulatory environment friendly, such that entrepreneurs want to build businesses here, ultimately protects American users because they will have access to better products and services. The financial incentive Web3 networks are able to provide is why a decentralized web is possible. Decentralized networks are able to operate at scale for the first time because they can be sustainably incentivized. Preventing this prevents the growth of Web3. This technology is an unstoppable force and Web3 is here to stay. It's not a matter of whether it will be built, but where. And to keep it in the US, we need regulatory clarity that gives entrepreneurs a clear path 
to fundraise and allows American citizens to participate. And that's it for today. If you think that good regulation will help to foster the future of Web3, please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel and share the video with somebody you think would find it interesting. You can find me at Amy of Alexandria and follow the organization at Web3WG. Thanks for watching and I'll see you next time. Thank you.